There are states with some real firecrackers, some mavericks in these state legislatures that are really excited about sound money. So off the top of my head, we have people in Alaska, people in Oklahoma, people in Iowa, uh, people in Texas. These are places where the reason that they're wanting to establish in-state depositories, the reason why they're wanting to protect state, payer, uh, state taxpayer funds is because they don't believe in the dollar and they want to move any gold that they might have out of the clutches of uh, Federal Reserve banks or big, you know, New York or LA banks, they're wanting to get money out of the clutches of the federal system and move it back into a system that, uh, you know, benefits themselves, the states themselves, and is under control largely by states themselves. So the, the Constitution says that states are not allowed to coin money, but they are allowed to use money that it is established, that is uh, made of gold and silver. And that can be provided by the private market. It can be provided by the feds, as we're seeing that today. But there's no reason that a, a private industry can't, the way we're seeing goldbacks, for example, they have several different versions of their notes that apply to different states. Uh, they have a New Hampshire goldback and a, a, a Nevada goldback and a Utah goldback. So, so there, uh, there's a lot of progress happening in this space. And I think when markets uh, are able to act without governments getting in the way, legislation and legislators getting in their way, really promising things can happen. So I'm very bullish on the future of, uh, you know, a couple of these states working very hard to to promote sound money and to, to opt back into gold and silver. Welcome to another RTD interview today. I'm excited to have first time guest, Mr. J.P. Cortez, the policy director for the Sound Money Defense League. Today, J.P. is joining us to share his thoughts on the economy and the importance of, you know, getting sound money back into the people's hands and helping people realize the importance of gold and silver as money uh, in today's environment. So, J.P., welcome to RTD interviews. Hey, Mike, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Yes, sir. I appreciate you for sitting down with me. And as I mentioned beforehand, uh, looking forward to finding out, you know, what's happening at the ground roots of everything, just because most people don't get a chance to understand the the, the state activity when it comes to trying to reinstate and reestablish uh, gold and silver uh, as lawful money, which is what it is and which it should be. But uh, before we dive into that and what's going on with you guys, uh, give us a little bit about your background and how you've arrived at this point in your career. Yeah, sure. So. Uh, late in high school, I would say in my, I was in my late teens when I discovered uh, Congressman Ron Paul, uh, former congressman from Texas. Um, and I, I noticed that a lot of the things that he was championing were things that resonated very strongly with me. Uh, you know, personal rights, individual liberty, uh, respect, uh, freedom. And so it was through Ron Paul that I ended up, uh, you know, discovering the Austrian School of Economics. Um, and so I graduated from high school with a ambiguous but skeptical stance towards government and towards, uh, you know, an authority, which I wasn't sure where it uh, had the powers, where it, uh, you know, was granted those powers that it was exercising. Um, so I ended up at uh, Auburn University uh, down in Auburn, Alabama, uh, and right across the street from Auburn's business school, where I was doing, uh, you know, plenty of my classes, was the Mises Institute. And the Mises Institute is the nation's the world's leading foremost institute on Austrian economics. Um, and so I fell deeper down this rabbit hole and I discovered the works of Mises and Rothbard 
and Guido Holzman. And I, I, you know, was fascinated by something that had happened in American history. I, I learned very, very much about sound money and about something that happened in 1971, which was when America fully closed the gold window, severed any tie to gold. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this has moral and economic and geopolitical implications that we're still seeing play out today. Um, and so now with the dollar having no tie to gold um, and, and the dollar's fate left to prognosticators, unelected prognosticators at that, the most obvious thing in the world happened, right? Uh, inflation rose and the purchasing power of American dollar is now suffering. Uh, government spending went largely unchecked. Uh, the things that the government was spending money on were largely wasteful programs from, uh, you know, foreign wars to domestic programs that uh, that have have stifled its own people, their own people and massive wealth inequality that that came from, <clears throat> excuse me, the 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 severing of the gold standard completely in 1971. And so after I graduated from Auburn University, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I teamed up with Stefan Gleason. And Stefan is the president of Money Metals Exchange. Uh, it's one of the largest online precious metals dealers and depositories uh, here in the US. And we decided to start a group advocating for sound money. Um, and what we found was the way to largely, the best way to do that was to re-monetize gold and silver by removing the friction into and out of gold and silver. Um, the truth is that inflation is a policy choice. And we're looking around and the ones the most harmed by this policy choice of perpetual dollar devaluation are the poorest among us. It's the people on fixed incomes. It's the pensioners. It's the hourly workers. It's the folks without any savings that are able to protect against dollar devaluation and price inflation. And so what we found is that while, while all of these damages, while much of this damage stems from the federal level, states don't have to be a party to the damage done by them. They don't have to be victim to the damage wrought by the feds. And so they can remove, proactively remove some of the impediments to going into and out of gold and silver. So right now in this moment, there are eight states across the United States uh, that still charge sales tax on gold and silver. When you buy precious metals, gold, silver, uh, you know, silver eagles, gold bars, whatever it is, they're going to charge you sales tax on top of the capital gains tax that you have to pay when you sell the asset. So the government is, is providing disincentives. It's providing friction into moving in and out of the dollar because they want you in the dollar. And so, excuse me, not only does this include on a personal level, uh, you know, individuals wanting to invest in gold and silver, but also states themselves many times are hamstrung from protecting state assets in gold and silver. Many states are not allowed to hold physical gold on their state balance sheets, on their reserves, on their taxpayer funds. And so we're also working with legislation to empower states to do things like that, to opt out of the dollar and opt back into the constitution, into constitutional sound money. Um, and so I left law school. I decided to leave law school in my first year to, to pursue this sound money advocacy. Um, and it has been an incredible experience. And, and we're seeing sound money, uh, you know, become become more to the fold today more than ever. All right. All right. Great. Great point there. Thank you for sharing, elaborating on that. So you, you gave us a lot of uh, things there. So let's dissect some of that. So uh, at the state level, 
you know, I, I think as, as from the founding of this of, the, of this nation here, uh, from all the documents provided to us, you know, states were responsible for gold of gold and silver as money, ultimately speaking. And so what is what are some of the things that's taking place now at the state level as far as legislation is concerned? And how do you a remove the taxes as well as all that the details of that, but then also helping educate people on the, the importance of having it in their possession? Yeah, so the legislation that uh, we have been working on, fortunately, has been a, a really wide array of of issues here. So the sales tax issue was one that I mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, in most states, in fact, in all states, none sta- there are no states that I know of that will charge you a sales tax to buy an asset. If you buy real estate, stocks, bonds, ETFs, mutual funds, whatever it is, no state is going to charge you a sales tax on that. Because sales taxes are for final finished goods, and this is an asset held for resale, and you're charged capital gains on it when you sell. Um, so for that reason, a sales tax is, is completely inappropriate. There are also states that are working to eliminate the income tax, you know, the tax that you have to pay when you sell the asset if you have experienced the gain. There are a couple of states that have introduced and passed legislation to do that. And the argument there is, well, it's not actually a gain because gold is just priced in dollars. So when the price of gold goes up, it's not that the gold has become more valuable. It's that the purchasing power of each individual dollar has decreased. So it simply takes more dollars to buy the same ounce of gold. Other states too are working to to remove other kinds of of taxation. Uh, There are states that are working to establish in-state depositories so they can hold uh, gold within their own state. Um, there are also states that are, are working on the, the reserve issue and, and the pension fund issue. Pension funds in this country are largely underfunded, and we're heading deep into a pension crisis. And some states are actively thinking about making changes to their allocations to make sure that their states are protected with gold and silver. Ohio recently invested billions, or excuse me, almost a billion dollars to their, uh, their fire and police pension fund uh, in physical gold and silver. So using these uh, pieces of legislation and, well, starting with the Constitution and using that as a jump off, Article 1, Section 10 and Article 1, Section 8, making it very clear that America was founded, the monetary system that America was founded on was one based in gold and silver. There is no question of that when you look at the Constitution. On top of that, it also explicitly uh, says that you cannot emit bills of credit, which is then what that describes paper money, which is exactly what we have today. What we have today is political money. It's the farthest thing from sound money. And so allowing people to move back and forth within gold and silver and acquire gold and silver without being hit with a confiscatory tax for doing so is so important especially today at this time of high inflation, unlike we've ever seen before, a CPI at you know eight and a half percent, and there's no reason to believe that it's going to stop or slow down anytime soon. You know, and geopolitical strife all over the world. We don't know what's happening with the uncertainty happening right now in, in Eastern Europe. You know, more than ever today, Mike, People need access. The states themselves need access to gold and silver. This is sound money, it's money that has retained its value for time immemorial. And so using the, the opportunity, you know, the very sad opportunity of the uncertainty and the high inflation that we're seeing today and using this to, to educate people and to inform people, people that have never given thought to the question of, hey, what is money? Why do these pieces of paper in my wallet mean anything? And when you start digging at that and you start asking those questions, 
you'll find that what we have today in America is at best a house of cards. It's, it's political fiat money that enables all sorts of really horrible government actions. Um, and so returning to sound money is ever important for those reasons. Right. And so before we went online on, on air, rather, you mentioned how, you know, it's not you can't really expect much at the federal level. You have to take it down to the state level. And it seems like, you know, state by state, there's some activity happening that shows promise. And so in my opinion, is, is there such thing as it is? Is it too late? Given the given the given the state of our country with the debt load, and of course, I guess for the Ohio pension for the Ohio pension fund able to allocate some of their uh, savings into gold, that shows promise. But do you think there's enough time left before the economy as, and its and a whole comes to a screeching halt or to a crash or whatever might be in, in the in the near future or, or what? What are your opinions on that? I think that. We are seeing today more than ever states, states themselves taking proactive steps to protect themselves and their individuals from the inflation, from the impending crash that you're talking about. So this year, we introduced, worked on 24 pieces of legislation across 11 different states in the United States here uh, that, that are introducing and wanting to discuss uh, pro-sound money legislation. And that is a number that has grown. We've, we've been doing this project now for almost seven years. That number has grown every single year. And every single year we get more legislators, more people in the state, more investors, more coin dealers, bullion dealers in the state telling us, wow, this is so incredibly important. And because of the uncertainty, because the Federal Reserve shows no signs of stopping today more than ever, this needs to happen. And so, yeah, we're seeing great growth on the state level, on the individual level, and even on the federal level. Uh, Congressman Alex Mooney out of West Virginia has introduced a couple of pieces of federal legislation, uh, one regarding the, uh, the income tax that I mentioned, uh, the, the uh, you know, ending gain or ending taxes on any gains that you might have on gold and silver because they're not real gains, but also um, auditing the, the America's gold reserves. The America's gold reserves have been in question. There's been a lot of mystery around whether or not the gold is actually still there. Um, or if it has been encumbered or, or leased or loaned out or swapped to another entity, another government, perhaps. Um, so there is certainly a lot of question. And that's why it is it is exciting and it's empowering to see states and individuals and even the feds waking up to the problem that exists. It's no longer deniable. Right. right. So for a long time, uh, Jerome Powell told us that there was no inflation. And then he told us that the inflation was transitory. And then he told us, hey, no, this inflation is actually good for the working class. And now, you know, we're being told that, again, Janet Yellen is regularly telling us this shows no signs of stopping. And most recently, Jen Psaki has been going on stage every day or going behind the pulpit every day and calling this inflation Putin's price hike. No longer. It, it, it is getting more difficult day by day for the for the the American powers that be the money managers in America to deny that this is the fault of massive money printing that started a long time ago, but especially accelerated over the last two or three years. All right. Very true. And so as you're speaking, you know, uh, I see the book of your shoulder, the sound money index. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on that, but also just to try to break things down to even the, the, the minute details of things. I try to distinguish between currency and money, just because they've they've the excess of fiat currency and the reserves and things of that nature is what has become the problem. 
and lawful money, i.e. sound money, which you, what you guys focus on is a, a solution to protect and preserve. And so I'm curious to get your thoughts because a lot of people in this audience here, they're, you know, they're precious metals enthusiasts or silver bugs or whatever you want to call them. And so they realized that, you know, due to, I guess, the, the futures and the uh, the paper and the, the, the price suppression mechanisms have kept uh, gold and silver from uh, revealing their true value, nominally speaking, mm-hmm. and because they're priced in Federal Reserve notes. So give us your thoughts and opinions on how, since, I guess, gold and silver was, uh, I guess, recategorized as a commodity after the Breton, I'm mean, not after the gold window was closed, the future comics futures opened up. So now people actually are told to view gold and silver as a commodity rather than money itself. Is that part of the problem? And how do we work around that in your opinion? I think that is totally part of the problem. The way Americans are taught to think about money and where money derives its value, I think is totally backwards. And it's going to take an unlearning for people to get back to the idea that a, a money founded or with a standard uh, is, is a more ideal monetary system than, than the one that we live in today. Um, I think one of your question gets to something, a, a, what I believe to be uh, you know, a, a government hoodwink, if you will, which is the idea of legal tender. Right. And this is happening a lot in the crypto space right now. We've dealt with it in the precious metal space. Um, And obviously the Supreme Court itself has dealt with the issue of legal tender. And what we have found, what I have found while uh, researching this topic, uh, working on legislation on this topic and working with uh, constitutional lawyers that have studied this issue, uh, you know, for a very long time, legal tender is nothing more than a, a government designation that applies monetary qualities to goods that don't naturally have them. So gold and silver don't need to be called legal tender. We don't need permission from the government to be legal tender because gold and silver are money. It is sound money. It is chosen by the market. The reason the dollar bill in your wallet today is stamped, it's stamped on there. This is legal tender of the United States. That's because outside of that stamp, that paper has no value. What the legal tender designation is, is nothing more than a, a government stamp of approval that says, hey, we can we can use this for money. So the, the government powers waved their wand and they, they took something without monetary properties and they said, here, now this has monetary properties. Voila. And we're seeing now, we're seeing this today. We're, we've seen it for the last couple of years. And unfortunately, I think we're going to see it for the next several years. That is not the property of a good money. That is not how a good money survives long terms. And ultimately, the truth is that second to language, money is the second largest and most powerful communicative tool that human beings have. This is the way we communicate and interact with each other. And when these signals get mixed up, when these signals are manipulated or obfuscated, we see today that mismanagement happens, monetary mismanagement happens, recessions happen, infrastructure crumbles, people are not able to plan long-term for the future. And so the importance of a stable money has never been more important than it is today. And that's why getting back to sound money is ever important. And, and we're working on that on the state and federal level, you know, every day. All right, good point there. Now, so moving forward, you know, I wonder how, of course, how will all this shake out in the future? Because a lot of people in the metal space already, their early adopters, rather, or, or, or 
trying to preserve and protect themselves with the acquisition of metals in their possession. And so a lot of people are looking forward to that future price. And we hear a lot of, you know, speculation, you know, 10,000 gold, because ultimately, as I say here, every Federal Reserve note will be held accountable in the form of an actual number equated to one ounce of gold or one ounce of silver. And so how do we, you know, and so this is just trying to play things through my mind. How will we get back to the point where gold and silver can be functional on a day-to-day basis in, in, in use, whether I give you some form of a, a weight of measurement for value rather than being reliant upon a price and a number in a central bank fiat currency. Like that's the, the part where I don't know how this will play out because we now we have the digital representations. So some people are saying, you know, put your metals over here and back it by a token and just trade the token back and forth. Give us your thoughts on what you see for the future usage of sound money in people's hands. And will it get back to something that we can use on a day-to-day basis? So I think that because of Gresham's law, the idea that you know bad money drives out good money when the bad money is, is legally mandated, that is going to hold true. And so, so long as the government is, continues to print easy money, so long as there continues to be you know, a, a central body that is adjusting the supply of money at its whim, I think that that's, that's always going to be a problem. And people are never, and I think rightfully so, people are never going to want to spend an appreciating asset in and exchange that for a depreciating a depreciating asset, right? Um, and I think that's kind of the argument with Bitcoiners, right? Like the there is a set amount of Bitcoin in the world. There's a set amount of gold in the world. Why would I ever exchange one of these, one Bitcoin or one ounce of gold for something that the government prints millions of every single day? And so as far as a currency, I think there's, especially with the digital space coming up, and I think there's a lot of value in, uh, you know, leveraging uh, digital, digital technologies to, to make, to re- reduce the friction in money management and how monetary systems work. Um, as far as backing your gold with a token, I think that an option like that, it would be great. Uh, I think uh, gold backs, for example, is, a, is a, an option. They've, they're doing small denominational paper currency notes that have the gold in the actual film. Uh, that's a really cool invention, uh, you know, uh, future progress in, in the gold as money space. Um, I think Glint is another one of these programs that is, is using gold, uh, is trying to do a gold as a medium of exchange. But I think that um, you know, the, the bigger issue is going to be not necessarily whether or not someone is able to buy a Whopper at McDonald's with a, a Gold Eagle. I don't think that that is the ultimate goal or, or what uh, would be ideal. But I think teaching people that stores of value and units of measurement and the stability of those things are incredibly important. Uh, I think that that value or that lesson is tremendous in value. And I think that through that learning, people will be more likely to think about value of money to be, they'll be more likely to think about savings and think about lowering their time preference. Time preference is an Austrian idea. Um, And so I think that whether or not people can, can buy their groceries and gold matters less than people understanding that the monetary system that we have today, one that's run by unelected bureaucrats, you know, very mysteriously that uh, no one re- can really hold accountable. We, we know for a fact that 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 this what we have today is not the answer. All the right. future, I'll leave it up to the market.
All right, good point there. Now, as we draw towards the end, I'm curious to get your thoughts just about you know future projections and uh, you know what 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 possibilities lie ahead. Do you see a state uh, it's in the near future saying that we don't lo- no longer want to use these? We want to use our own. You know, some people out here are saying that there's a new version of of fiat or treasury issue notes that are attached with silver, perhaps again mimicking the silver certificates of year yesteryears. Do you see that being a possibility? Given, you know, and of course, the sound money index, there are some states that are leading the way in reference to making gold and silver well known throughout their state. Can you see something like that coming in the near future? Oh, yeah, I absolutely can. There are states with some real firecrackers, some mavericks in these state legislatures that are really excited about sound money. So off the top of my head, we have people in Alaska, people in Oklahoma, people in Iowa, uh, people in uh, uh, Texas. These are places where they're talking about, you know, the reason that they're wanting to establish in-state depositories, the reason why they're wanting to protect state, payer, uh, state taxpayer funds is because they don't believe in the dollar and they want to move any gold that they might have out of the clutches of uh, Federal Reserve banks or big, you know, New York or LA banks. They're wanting to get money out of the clutches of the federal system and move it back into a system that uh, you know, benefits themselves, the states themselves, and is under control largely by states themselves. So the, the constitution says that states are not allowed to coin money, but they are allowed to use money that it is established, that is uh, made of gold and silver. And that can be provided by the private market. It can be provided by the feds as we're seeing that today, but there's no reason that a state or, uh, or rather a, a private industry can't, the way we're seeing goldbacks, for example, they have several different versions of their notes that apply to different states. Uh, they have a New Hampshire goldback and a, a, a Nevada goldback and a Utah goldback. So, so there, uh, there's a lot of progress happening in this space. And I think when markets uh, are able to act without governments getting in the way, without legislature, without legislation and legislators getting in their way, really promising things can happen. So I'm very bullish on the future of, uh, you know, a couple of these states working very hard to to promote sound money and to, to opt back into gold and silver. All right, JP, well, I appreciate you for sitting down with us and sharing uh, what's happening on the ground uh, as far as individual states deciding to put their efforts towards reinstating or re- reestablishing gold and silver back into uh, the people's hands, minus the taxation and things of that nature. Um, if you don't mind, uh, can you point back to where you do writing? I know you do some writing or whatnot and just do, just, just have at it, man. Let the audience know where they can find you at. <laughs> yeah, sure thing, man. So uh, the site is soundmoneydefense.org. Uh, the organization is the Sound Money Defense League. My name is JP Cortez. I'm the policy director here. You can find me at at JP Cortez 27 on Twitter. Uh, moneymetals.com is and moneymetals.com backslash sound money index is where you can find the 2021 sound money index. This is where we uh, rate all 50 states using a number of different criteria to determine which states have the best pro sound money environment. So you can check that out at moneymetals.com slash sound money index. And uh, I am available. My contact information is on the soundmoneydefense.org site. So I'm uh, happily available. Always happy to come on and chat again. Thanks for having me, Mike. My pleasure. My pleasure. So once again, thanks for joining us on RT Interviews. Looking forward to having you on in the future to stay up to date with what's happening on the state level uh, in reference to, you know, reinstating and reinstalling sound money back into uh, the people's hands. So appreciate you. and Thank you for your time, my friend. Cool. Thanks a lot, Mike. See ya.